Good evening. <laughs> I would like to ask you if you are being uh, comforted tonight or maybe convicted or maybe excited about something that you heard today. I don't know what's your reaction to God's word, but I'm reading from the scriptures and I see that it's not good if we come out here, preachers, I mean, and we preach in such a way that people's ears are tickled. <laughs> That's what the scripture says, that in the last days, there will be teachers who will preach in accordance to people's own desires. And they will have people's ears tickled. I don't know how God's word is working in your life, but I prefer that God would convict me of my sin, teach me, instruct me in the practical way how to overcome temptations, how to get strong in God's grace, and how to live for His glory. I would like to preach on a topic that associates with one of the words that um, one of our sisters volunteered for me to help with the illustration. So she's going to bring a sign, and I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, I like traveling. With my kids and my wife, we had a few road trips, uh, pretty long road trips. Thank you so much, so much. This is going to be our illustration for the road trips, right? And uh, several years ago, we were traveling somewhere in the middle of America. I don't remember a state, but I remember this feeling of us coming closer to the hotel. It's at the end of the day. And my wife tells me, let's stop by at the restaurant, feed the kids, and then go to hotel. And we have this direction, this address that takes us to the uh, hotel. And uh, all of a sudden, we see our favorite restaurant. And so what we do, obviously, we make a turn. And what we hear, the GPS starts saying, in 100 feet, make a U-turn. And then in another 100 feet, make a U-turn. And that becomes so annoying. What do we do? We turn off GPS. We stop by, we eat, then we get back on the road, and we go to hotel. Another story is a recent story. In November, we had a privilege to travel with our 10th graders to Washington, D.C. And I got to be a driver. I don't know if you drove in the downtown of Washington, D.C., but it's a lot of fun. And I don't remember anything from Washington, D.C., because I was a driver. Okay? Everybody enjoyed the White House, all the monuments, all the sightseeing spots. I had to drive. And uh, at a certain point, since I'm a driver, I can't really find a parking spot for the 15-passenger van in Washington, D.C. Again, you have to understand you know, the spot if you, if you travel there. 
And so I'm basically, I'm just driving around while everybody else is taking pictures, I'm driving around. And I realize that I need to make a pit stop and I have to go somewhere. And, and, and I'm like, guys, I need to go, I need to fill up the tank, you know, well, it's almost full, but I, I need to, to find a reason. And so I'm driving and I look at GPS and I'm like, okay, it's traffic, Washington DC, traffic gets uh, even, even heavier, it's 15 minutes, then shows 25 minutes and I realize that's going to be too late. So I'm like, all of a sudden I see subway, I understand that I missed it. So what I'm looking for, I'm looking for a sign. And I have a different feeling. It's not annoying for me. I, I, I wish I'd hear this, make a U-turn, okay, to get to that subway. But it's only, the signs are one way, one way, one way. Well, eventually I made it, so the, I'll shorten the story. As soon as I saw that U-turn sign, I was very excited. I make a U-turn, do what I had to do, find our group, I'm happy. U-turn is the topic of my sermon. The Bible does not have that specific word, but it's full of the message on the topic, uh, on the message uh, of, the, uh, of how we make that U-turn in life. I'll start with Ezekiel chapter 18. Verse 30 says, Repent and turn away from all your transgressions so that iniquity may not become a stumbling block to you. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord God. Therefore, repent and live. Then in Mark chapter 1, Verse 14, it says that Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Say with me the word repent. Say it louder, repent. I don't know if you like this word or not. Maybe you have certain associations with it. Maybe you, um, you like the feeling of repentance or after you repented. But I realize that in the Bible, most of the cases where this word is used, it's used with the uh, end. Repent, end. And something else. See, on our journey or on our life journey... We have different kinds of signs. And when we travel the wrong direction, and by default, we all start in the wrong direction. Our sinful nature, we are born with the desire to go against God's laws. Now, don't get me wrong. We do have good feelings. We have sometimes, occasionally, we have good desires. We want to change the world. We want to have peace in this world. But the Bible says that there is no one who would do good. Everyone has gone astray. We are born with the desire to do our own will, which is already a sin. 
And so as we travel the wrong direction, God, in His grace and His mercy, He posts these signs. It's not only once or twice or three times. If you're honest with yourself, you can say that. You can give examples for yourself, for others, of these situations in your life where you saw these U-turn signs. But often we travel with this understanding and this this uh, mindset with this bias that I know how to live. I know where I'm going. I know how to get there. I know how to be successful. Similar to my first story where I knew what I was doing. I knew where I wanted to go. And this message of make a U-turn or sharp U-turn was pretty much annoying it's a, like a broken record in my mind. Yes, I, I ignore it. I put it in the background. And God in His mercy, His grace is an invitation. God's grace is not just a one-time thing. It's a constant invitation. As long as I live, as long as I travel, and I travel the wrong direction, I will see these posts in my life. I will see these signs. With God's grace and God's mercy, this whole humanity, all of us, we always have a chance as long as we live. Nobody is predestined to go to the hell. This is a lie from the devil from the hell that you are or someone predestined or chosen or was born to die. God says clearly in his word, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies. Okay, this is not my word. You need to soak it in. Therefore, repent and live. As soon as we realize that we're in a trouble, that we are doomed, and that we don't have any other options... We turn to God and we start listening. We start listening for the directions. And sometimes we say, like the brother was preaching before me, saying testimony, wonderful story. We start making excuses. We say, well, this is not so sinful. Lord, this is what the, the other the Americans do, Russians do, uh, Christians do. We start making excuses. And then we get to the point when we are we just realize we're out of gas or we are out of strength or we are out of options and we do make that U-turn. But you need to understand that repentance is not a whole life process, okay? Listen to me carefully because on one hand it is. But repentance, that's just a moment in your life, in realization. That's a decision that you need to make. You do need to make that U-turn, but you don't stop there. It's not a finished process. It's not a, a um, place where you need to receive God's grace and just do nothing after all, after that. God's word is teaching that we need to turn and, Jesus said, believe in the gospel. 
Your life is changed. Your life is transformed. It's not your effort. You tried so many different things. God's grace is changing you. God's grace is his invitation, but it's also his power for your change. And when you are changing or being transformed in the image of Jesus Christ, you need to do the next step. Jesus was teaching And even before Jesus, John the Baptist was teaching, he says, you need to bear the fruit of repentance or in accordance with repentance. There has to be some kind of fruit. And so in the past, you still may remember how you lived, what happened, something that bothered you, something that was that maybe still a memory of some kind of horrible sin or something that you, you can't forget. But the Bible says that you, after you repent, you start this process of transformation. You look in the mirror, in the, in the Word of God. And instead of seeing your reflection, you see Jesus. And then you compare, you compare yourself with what you see in His Word. It's a very interesting mirror because in the, in the regular mirror, in, the, in our physical mirrors, we see our own reflection. But in God's word, we see the difference between how we are and what we have to be. In the scripture, Bible teaches us the, the many passages, but I'll read just a few. That in the past, we had no hope. Before repentance, Romans chapter 3, verses 9, 10, I'll briefly read them. This was our picture. This is who we, we were, or maybe some of us are still traveling the wrong direction. And it says, as it's written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands, there is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside wrong direction together they have become useless there is none who does good there is not even one their throat is an open grave with their tongues they keep deceiving the poison of asps asps in under their lips whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness their feet are swift to shed blood Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is such a good description of how people um, react to the message of gospel. When the person doesn't have fear of God, he's ignoring the call of God for repentance. Why people do not repent? You probably know a lot of people. Maybe you know yourself a time when you didn't want to repent. You didn't want to admit that you're traveling the wrong direction. And the scripture says that happens because there is no fear of God before their eyes. It's an interesting thing. Fear of God before someone's eyes. Often we're distracted, we're thinking wrong stuff, we, are, we don't realize the truth. And the scripture compares that in first, Second Corinthians, it says that there is a veil that remains unlifted because it's removed 
only in Christ. To this day, whenever Moses is read, whatever we read the laws, we know the Ten Commandments, we read the Bible, a veil lies over their heart, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's very, very um, interesting because people ask, so who makes the first step? Does God give repentance or we repent and then we turn to the Lord and His grace starts working in us? And I'm not going to go in depth of this, but I just want to follow the, the Scripture. The Scripture says that whenever a person turns to the Lord, then the veil is taken away. There's a time, there's a place, there's a moment in our life when we hear this message, and it's so crucial. Maybe this is, this, this is the moment in your life. It's so important, so essential that when you hear that, and something starts working in you. And it's not something, it's someone. The Holy Spirit is working in you. And I personally believe that this is a process where both God and person, <clears throat> they, they work together. But you do need to make that decision. Repentance is a decision. A decision to turn around. To turn, to make that U-turn. To turn the right direction. And when you turn, don't get me wrong. When you turn, somebody thinks, and then you start walking towards the Lord. You can't make in the next step. The same way God's grace was working in your life, convicting you of your sin, and you are turning to the Lord, the next thing is not to start walk, walking. The next thing is to humble yourself before the Lord and ask for His grace to keep working in your life so that the process of transformation, the process of that fruit that starts growing, the process would, would start and and and, and uh, continue in your life. The next verse says, when this veil is lifted and it's taken away, it says, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. God's Spirit continues this work. God's Spirit continues to he continues convicting you of your sin because it's, like I said, it's not just one time. You continue in your life. You continue bearing the fruit of repentance. And we all, verse 18, with unveiled face now on the right direction, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So again, in the mirror, in God's word, you see the glory of God and you have this desire now to imitate him, to be like him, to cleanse yourself like he is. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 that we, being his children, will cleanse us ourselves to be like him. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. When you, truly, when you truly repent and turn to the Lord, how do you know, how can you prove to other people that you repented? Have you ever 
uh, heard um, someone say something like, oh, that's fake, he didn't really repent. Right? People may say that. Do they have the right to say that, that those things? Well, I don't know, because the scripture compares, like I said, uh, I'll, I'll just read this quickly. It's uh, Matthew chapter 3. It's a famous passage when Jesus comes to John the Baptist, and uh, John is preaching to the Pharisees. He is preaching to the people who come to him for the water baptism, and he was baptizing them in repentance, by the way. And so he's opening, he is revealing this concept of repentance, and he says, uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 8, Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't suppose that you can say to yourselves, Oh, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit, which fruit? We're talking about the fruit of repentance, is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's another reference, by the way, that we can unfortunately slip away or turn from the Lord and, and reject His salvation. But when people say or make statements about repentance and they say fake or not fake, of course they cannot judge. Nobody can judge me. No, no one has the right. The Apostle Paul says, I can judge, cannot judge myself. Only the Lord, only God knows my heart. At the same time, we understand that there has to be fruit. If you think about the fruit, you expect fruit to grow. You expect something good to grow, to increase in size, to become better, mature, ripen, and be good. So in your life, if you re truly repented, over the time, if in your life there is no fruit, then there is a big question. What are you doing? The fruits, they don't grow overnight. That's true. It takes time. Most of the fruit that we know, that we eat, it takes days, it takes weeks, months. But there has to be a change in life. There has to be testimony that you can share. You can look back and you can say, this is my past. This is who I am right now. You can see that. And here's what I believe I'll be in the future. And we're talking about our identity because your identity is not just how you look like. People look at you and say, you're such and such. You're young. They put a label on you. You're a male. You're a female. Labels are good, but they are incomplete. Your identity is your past, your identity is your present, and you are who you want to be. And so as Christians, we understand that our past was cleansed by God. We still have memories because God intentionally does not erase memories from our lives. We need them. We need to compare His grace in our life right now and our fallen nature before we repented. We can appreciate God's grace only when we remember how bad we have fallen before. 
And my identity is, I do remember my past 40 years or 30 years, whatever time I remember, I remember that my sins, my uh, mistakes, they amount to a huge number of transgressions against God, and I deserve the death. But I also appreciate His grace, His blood, more and more. Day after day, I, I just realized, even today I was singing during the worship, wonderful songs, by the way. Thank you for picking those songs. And I was, I was crying in my heart because I understand that it's God's amazing grace, how wretched I was. You don't know me. You will never know me. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. But God forgave me. I'm forgiven. That's part of my identity. And in the present, I'm also traveling the right direction. Deep in my heart, I have testimony from the Holy Spirit because it says that we are being transformed as from the Lord, from His Spirit. I have that in my life. I have that desire to serve the Lord. And even if I fall, even if I make mistakes, I still have that desire. I'm growing the fruit in accordance with uh, repentance. And for the future, my identity is my belief, belief, my conviction that Christ is my Savior. My identity, past, present, and future is hidden in Christ. Praise God. On my own, I cannot produce the fruit of repentance. I don't even have a desire to make a U-turn. When I make a U-turn, I don't have power to travel the opposite direction. I don't have future without God, but I believe in His truth. And the Bible says that the truth will make you free. And, well, that's not exactly what it says. Jesus said that you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. A lot of people, they expect the truth to make them free. Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, you will know. Is there a knowledge of the truth? Poznania, poznaiti istinu. Do you know the truth? Now, the truth is not just a concept. It's not just Ten Commandments, the truth. The truth is the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit? A lot of people, imagine yourself sitting in the, your house and you know that you have power or electricity in your house. But you don't flip the switch. You just sit there and you think about how powerful that would be to sit in the light. And you don't do anything. You need to know the truth. You can complain about it. You can call the company, whatever, Tacoma Utility Power, Tacoma Power, and tell them, come and flip the switch for me. That's preachers. <laughs> And they can do it once for you, but then they will no, probably won't do that for you. They will say, hey. Um, in our spiritual life, we need to make that step every day. We need to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. It's about time to finish, but I just want to ask you a few questions. Did you make a decision in your life to repent. 
I'm not asking you if you regretted that you're traveling the wrong direction. I'm not asking you whether you understand what is good and what is bad. Repentance is your personal decision. If you did make that decision, are you bearing the fruit of repentance? Can you prove in life you do eventually need to prove for the people. People would be right. Church members, pastors, your parents, they'll be right asking this question. Is he truly um, committed to what he or she did? Maybe you, you were water baptized last summer. Is there a progress in your spiritual life? That's a valid question. We do want to see the fruit. I want to see the fruit in my life. I want to be different than I was five months, a year ago, or five years ago. But it takes time. It takes time, and sometimes we lose hope. Sometimes we look at our lives and we compare ourselves, and we compare ourselves to either better people or people who seem like they are worse than us. We should look only in the scripture, only in the mirror where the truth is looking back at us, where God's grace is inviting us to change, where God's power is granted for us, and we can realistically, we can put that in practice, and we can be transformed. And the repentance is not only in the sense of being born again. Repentance is important for us when we go astray. We take the wrong exit figuratively speaking God reminds us to make that U-turn and get back on the right path maybe you are still struggling with some kind of addiction maybe you're still struggling with the thoughts maybe I, I don't know a couple days ago I talked with a person who's been believer for I don't know 20 years and he said I just thought about four ways how I can kill myself such a depression, such a, such a condition where, where it seems like everything what you heard before, everything what you read in the Bible, it's not working. But you do turn back, you do repent in those thoughts, and you come back and you humble yourself because that's also pride. You're still trying to control your life. You're still trying to decide whether you will live or die. You're, it's hard. But you turn back to the scripture and like we heard today in the poem. And you want, finally you want to understand that you need to put your whole trust in the Lord Jesus and in his saving grace. And so it's time to pray. I would like to invite you for a prayer. I know that for some of you, if we can stand, for some of you, you are thinking about you know, your future, about things that will happen in your life. I wish all the best for you brothers and sisters but i want to invite you first of all for repentance because without repentance we don't have future god says i want them to repent and live i want them to repent and have the future if we can pray pray together if you have that done, if you've done that in your life and you repented pray that god will continue clean cleansing your life if you've never done it before 
I would like to invite you to the front and we'll pray for you. And that will be that U-turn, that point in your life where you make a decision to follow Jesus. Let's pray together.